Welcome to the Joan Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Vittengel. The purpose of Joan is to draw light towards mental health, to bring awareness and real stories to the trauma that most everyone endures at some point in life, from depression to postpartum depression to anxiety and eating disorders, PTSD, domestic abuse, sexual abuse, addiction, the list goes on and on. Joan is meant to be a place of honesty and connection. Through the darkest days of my struggles, I'd never felt so alone, and I was convinced there was no way out. If you're feeling this way, I hope this podcast helps you to truly understand that you're not alone and that there is so much light at the end of the tunnel. The truth is, there is no right way to heal. But this podcast was created to inspire you to take your own steps towards healing and stepping into your most authentic self. Today's guest is my friend, Janessa Leone. Some of you have probably heard her name and may even have her product in your closet. Janessa is an accessories designer in LA, famous for her beautiful hats. I met Janessa several years ago through my ex-boyfriend when I was living in Venice Beach. I was just starting my company and she sort of took me under her wing and we ended up becoming great friends. Almost three years ago now, Janessa's father unexpectedly passed away. I never had the chance to meet him, but every time she spoke of him, she would light up and overflow with love. It was that kind of soulmate, father-daughter, best friend relationship. I remember hearing the news of his passing and immediately bursting into tears because I understood the deep impact this would have on her. In this episode, we talk about the passing of her father, the passing of her beloved dog, Benny, only months later the depression she fell into, her inability to feel the sun on her skin or any joy of any kind. We talk about her journey with rebuilding her life without her father in it and how she did it. Somehow we both managed to make it through the episode without crying, but if you've ever lost someone you've loved, I think you'll connect with this episode. Okay, so I am here with my very good friend, Janessa Leone. And um, Janessa, can you introduce yourself? What do yeah. you do? Who you are? <laughs> um, I'm really, really happy to be having this conversation with you. I think that, you know, we've talked a lot in private um, about the importance of mental health. So I'm just grateful that you're doing this. I'm grateful that I'm on it. Um, my name is Janessa. I am a designer. I own an accessories label in LA. Um, and it's my name, Janessa Leone. We have a store in Culver City, and our office is in Santa Monica, and we wholesale around the world. Um, and where are you from, and how old are you? I'm from San Diego originally, um, and I'm 31 now. And <laughs> <laughs> life happens fast. Um, so in regards to mental health, what is it that you have been suffering from? Yeah, I struggle with depression. Um, and I have a minor case of PTSD from after I lost my dad suddenly. So have you always struggled from depression or is this something that was on, you know, brought on by an event? Yeah, that I've, I've never in my life dealt with anxiety or depression. Um, and this happened after I lost my dad suddenly and more specifically after I lost my dog, after I lost my dad. Um, so it was a very new and still is a very new thing for me. Um, I've, I 
I've always been a happy, cheerful person. So I think it was made the process that much harder for me because I couldn't, I, I couldn't even really understand what I was going through. I didn't have time to, yeah, I didn't have a, a life of like depressive thoughts or actions or how, how to know how to handle it. It was very sudden um, and it was so intertwined with grief that mm-hmm. it's hard to understand what it even is. So can you um, kind of walk us through the, um, in more detail, the events that, that led to this and what had actually happened? Yeah, I um, spent my 29th birthday with my dad and my boyfriend and my stepmom at Disneyland. And that was actually the last time I saw my dad. He passed away very suddenly. He had sudden cardiac arrest that no one really understands why or how because he was an incredibly healthy guy went to the cardiologist four days before um and there's no problem with his heart so there's no explanation for why he passed away um they still don't they still don't have any idea um it was pretty fitting that i spent my last day at disneyland with my dad because we were closer than close and also he was kind of if you could imagine Disneyland exemplified in one person that was my dad he was the most fun happiest like just just the best person in my life and still is and it you know it's a different relationship which I think we'll we'll talk about probably a little later but um yeah he pa- he passed away through let's see three days after we had spent that day at Disneyland. So my 20, my birthday always will mark the last day that I've seen my dad. Um, and yeah, it's been, it's unexplainable when you lose someone who's so close to you and such an important person in your life. But also my dad and I were best friends. He was my CFO of my company. Um, we had like an abnormally close relationship. I actually moved out of my house that I was living with and girlfriends in college because I missed living with my dad. And I moved in, I chose to live with my dad when I was in college. I lived with him after college. Um, we were just like kindred souls and soulmates and you know, everyone that knew me, um, knew me because like I was so close with my dad. We were just, we, we always joked that we wanted to you know, when I like had a business and like became like, you know, a, a successful business person, I always would say that I'd build him a house right next door to mine, which drove my <laughs> boyfriend absolutely nuts. Um, but yeah, he really was the one person in my life that was my constant and who I could never get enough of. Um, so it was a massive loss. Yeah, it was like next level kind of loss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so you lost him and then what was that like that period of time after, after that loss? What was those, you know, how, how long was it before Benny had then passed away? Her dog, uh, Janessa's golden retriever, Benny passed away shortly after. Um, it had been about eight months, so it was still really new Mm -hmm. and, you know, after you lose a parent um, or anyone in your family close to you, the first three months are kind of a fog. You have no idea. You don't really have a concept of time. You kind of, 
you're just in a haze you know you the the grief can really it I think that your brain knows how traumatic it is um and I also had PTSD from the phone call like my body actually went into shock from when I found out that he had passed away um so I was also suffering with a lot of you know post-traumatic stress type of symptoms from that phone call um and how but, did those show up? Um, well, your your brain kind of like, you know, protects yourself in different ways. Mm-hmm. So it, it was more, it, it manifested itself in a um, kind of a, like a blank. I don't really know how else to describe it except that there were times that I wouldn't acknowledge and that it was like a denial, but... Not a denial in the sense that, like, I didn't know it didn't happen. It was just an emptiness that, like, I wasn't myself. There was a disconnect between um, how I felt and who I really was. I don't, it, I really, honestly, it's a very, very hard thing for me to understand because I just kind of felt like I was always having this out-of-body experience. I was so detached. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to do a lot of exercises where I kind of would actually take off my shoes and ground myself because I felt like I was two different bodies and I couldn't, I just, I couldn't understand life. It really was like so disconnecting for me and your brain can actually do that to protect you because it's such a incredible loss yeah and it's so much um it's just so overwhelming to your senses so your brain kind of like disconnects Mm -hmm. and you it's a it's a defense mechanism it's like a way that your brain can and can protect yourself but it's very um it's the weirdest feeling and it's scary and you're not yourself and you know it's there's just a lot to go along with Mm -hmm. that Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that so you were having PTSD symptoms in between in those, mm-hmm. and of course everything that was coming along with the loss of your father yes. in those months after. Yeah, and, and everything kind of bubbles up, you know. Once you you feel like I, I feel like I handled the loss of my dad as constructively as I possibly could, and I'm actually pretty proud of myself. I couldn't be proud of myself until I kind of came out of what I've gone through. I can't recognize, um, what I, I wasn't able to recognize what I did, but, um, I feel like I really, my faith, um, had a huge role in the healing process of that. I believed and still believe that I will see my dad again, that he didn't die in, you know, it is a physical death, but who he is and who he was to me is still living Mm -hmm. um you also had some dreams didn't you yeah I had some pretty like I don't know if you want to call them like prophetic or like what they were but like I had like these visions of my dad and we actually spoke and it was like he was you know he was gone he was not here um and it was a very lucid dream um and it was I was conscious I was completely conscious um, of what was happening, but, and I knew I was sleeping. I mean, there was a lot of experiences that I had these really supernatural type of experiences being connected to him. Um, but I feel like all in all, 
I can recognize that I was grieving, but I wasn't, I didn't sulk into a depression until after I lost Benny. Um, and so the grieving, the grieving process was obviously recognizing why you're feeling the way that you're feeling. You you had a significant loss, so you feel you feel that loss. There's no way around it. You can't not feel the loss. Um, but I had a lot of hope. I had a lot of like positivity. I was I kind of was able to see the the bright side. I was able to see a lot of relationships change for the better. Um, I saw the good in people. You know when when there's so much beauty that can happen when you're in a trauma, so many people can come out of, you know, that you just, you just don't realize what they're capable of. And then people come and they're just showering you in love. And there's a lot of beautiful moments in those, in that time of grief. Um, and I felt my dad really strongly. And when the depression set in was when I started to not feel my dad anymore. Um, and it just, spiraled it and it made it worse um and so my depressive episode was diagnosed and treated after i lost my dog which was eight months later um and it was another sudden loss and it was grief you know like losing it was grief like there's no really way around it um and you had you got benny when you were how old how long how old i got benny on my 21st birthday okay um, and I lost him when I was 30, um, or was 29, just before I was 30. Okay. Um, and so he... But Benny was also very special. Benny was very special. <laughs> Benny was my, like, Benny was my man. And, like, you know, I, 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 t- I tend to be the person that has these, like, relationships with people mm-hmm. that I think are the ones that are the most rewarding, but tend to be the hardest when you lose them because like it's all encompassing and I'm very much of a like loving person that's like part of my identity is to be so in love with my family and my dog and I'm so like engrossed in that Mm -hmm. um and so when it's gone it's a it's a huge it's noticeable Mm -hmm. um and when I lost Benny, I understood the the wrong way to grieve, number one. Um, people say that there's not a wrong way to grieve, but I, I kind of disagree. Um, and I, I became depressed because of that and because of the magnitude of that compounded with the loss that I had of my dad. And I... When I lost my dad, I did have so much hope in that I was going to see him again. And I mean, I still have that hope. I'm, it wasn't past tense, but I feel like my um, faith in God and my upbringing, I was raised very Christian um, and I kind of you know, I, I separated myself from how I was raised, but still believe the, the same core tenets and still like identify as a Christian. Um, and so that caused me to have a lot of hope in a, such a time of despair, but it also kind of blinded some of the, I don't know if I want to say blinded, 
convoluted maybe mm-hmm. some of the mm-hmm. the grief um mm-hmm. maybe pushed it it pushed it away because it was you know I felt like I'm supposed to be so hopeful there's a bigger picture um you know God will get me through this and I believe all of that but I didn't necessarily handle a lot of the discipline of self-care and give myself enough grace because I felt like I was supposed to be I was supposed to be this example mm-hmm. of you know how you grieve with faith mm-hmm. and I was the first one of any of my friends to lose a parent um really the first one in my family um to lose like in in my extended family, we were we were the first family that so your grandfather's still alive. my gra- my grandparents still alive. Like my dad had a, I mean like that's a huge was a huge positive for me going through the process. My dad had a wonderful life. Like he still had both of his parents, all his siblings. They didn't suffer trauma, you know. Like we, and I, and I didn't get to see him suffer trauma, so I didn't know how I was supposed to do this because my whole life was filtered through my dad's lens. Mm-hmm. It was. You know, we, we were very much the same person, so we reacted intuitively the same way. So when I had to handle grief without having an example of how to handle grief um, from my person, like, I felt disconnected from him. Yeah. And so when I, you know, started, when I was in the grieving process, before I lost Benny, I very much tried to be... The, I, I, I found a lot of identity in how I was handling it. I do think that I was handling it as good as I could have, but I didn't allow myself to have the grace to handle it poorly. I, I, ex- mm-hmm. I set myself an expectation that you have to do this this way, like you're an example for your friends for when they lose you know family members you own a business and have employees and you need to be like this strong person and I was able to find that strength but I didn't ever give myself an opportunity to say it's okay if you don't have that strength um and so when I lost Benny I couldn't I I couldn't just I couldn't be strong anymore I could I didn't have it in me I had this compounded grief that was too much for me to actually intellectualize, too much for me to try to spiritualize, too much to try to process. Um, And so I had this black cloud over me. Mm -hmm. And um, what I'm trying to say is that in a sense, my grief of my dad was handled pretty constructively and I'm proud of myself for that but as time went on and as people identified that I didn't die from this you know like this if there's anyone that loses a parent that it should kill them like it should it should have been me and I was okay and so people started to comment like oh you're doing so great I'm so proud of you like you're so strong um and then that kind of becomes part of your 
identity and then you don't give yourself the grace to not be strong Mm -hmm. and you set this expectation for yourself that you know you're you can get through this and like this is something that you know you're going to conquer instead of you're going to absorb and like have a life of you know like I I very much am a person that likes to get things done and that has worked so well for me in my professional life to set a goal and to conquer that goal and to you know like just kind of like get through things be like okay this is the problem and we're going to resolve it and then we're going to come out the other side and I kind of in my mind saw grief as that and would set benchmarks for myself like okay I'm going to kind of feel this way in a year Mm. and I'm going to feel this way in a year and a half and then by the time three years comes maybe I'll be ready to like have a wedding without my dad and then maybe by the time five years comes like then I can have kids and understand what that's like without my dad and kind of setting these benchmarks and it's it's not it now I know that that's not productive because grief isn't a linear goal it's so cyclical and it's it's a new way of life and it's not like every year that passes my me missing my dad diminishes or that like how that grief is manifested is is any better or whatnot you just you learn you learn yourself in a new way and who you are when you lost that person and who you are in the 10 years is really the same person it's just how you accept yourself as that and so it's not Mm. it's not something that you're going to come out the other side it's something that you're just that's now you that's part of your identity like i'll always be the i'll always be the janessa that lost this huge thing in my life um and it's how how do I understand that how do I accept that Mm -hmm. and so when I started to accept when when I before I accepted that and before I understood that that was a part of my identity I tried to identify myself as the person who was strong of getting through the grief and getting you know doing the this and that and so full of faith that they're like you know seeing like God's plan for their life and that's a fallacy and so when I lost Benny I couldn't I couldn't live in that fallacy anymore I couldn't I couldn't identify with that because I didn't have the strength I didn't have anything left in me to fight Mm -hmm. you know I was at I I was already kind of below the threshold of normal when I like you know from suffering the grief of my dad and then all of a sudden I got taken down to this level that I didn't recognize and it wasn't I I it was so dark and so full of despair and then I got really angry with God, I got angry with life. I just got angry. And 
anger has never been a part of my life and like um, hopelessness has never been a part of my life. My dad didn't know me as angry and hopeless so it made me feel that much more disconnected from him because I no longer felt like he would have been proud of me. Um, I felt like I was letting everyone down including myself and I was like all the things that worked to try to make me hopeful with the loss of my dad all the you know the spiritual practices the prayer the anything that I was trying to set my eyes on to try to be positive was failing me after I lost Benny I was so angry with God that I couldn't even think about like praying or like kind of having any sort of spiritual practice and so then I, I fell deeper and deeper because I was so disconnected from myself or how anyone knew me and it got dark it got I was in such a level of depression that I would go outside and I couldn't even feel the sun on my skin I couldn't feel a sensation of happiness at all um and I I was just desperate for life to be over I wouldn't necessarily say that it was suicidal um, but I would say that it, there was a longing to just end it, just to end this because I can't do it anymore. And I didn't identify with that and I didn't allow myself the grace that is required to go through grief multiple times. And I think that's what I did wrong. Um, and why the depression manifested there was no self-care routine there there was just anger and just darkness and obviously every single one of my relationships suffered um you know i'm in a long-term relationship with my boyfriend we've been dating for almost 10 years and you know my dad was his dad and so when we lost him he you know that re our relationship deepened to such a level because like we went through this massive thing together but then when I lost Benny yeah like that was his dog too but that was my dog and he that was that was a loss that was so personal to me that like it, I just couldn't I couldn't relate no one could relate with me on that no one you know like why why did Benny have to die like on top of everything that I had already gone through um, and so I was angry with Kevin. I was angry with like every, everyone, there wasn't anyone that could have like helped because I wasn't myself. I was in such a dark, dark, dark state. And so, um, Kevin got me a therapist. He, he and his mom researched therapists who could, could help because he saw that he couldn't do anything. Um, and I was just in such a dark hole that, you know, like, I mean, can, like, I mean, you might be able to imagine this, but like never feeling a sense of joy, like going outside, knowing it's a warm day and knowing how good the sun should feel on your skin and not being able to f like make that connection and not being able to like feel the joy, mm -hmm. like 
I've been in a similar place. I mean, not quite in, I didn't have the same experience as you did, but I did reach a point where, you know, my panic and anxiety got so bad that I just was like, I can't be here. Like, I can't live anymore. This is, this is, I can't do this. I didn't know, but I was in such a high state of fear. Yeah. That, did your, when you were having those thoughts, did, did that feel scary to you or were you just like done? No, I wasn't scared. Um, I think that that's one kind of positive that happened after I lost my dad is that I used to have a lot of fear about family dying, about people close to me dying. But honestly, one of the good things that happened is that the worst thing that I could have ever imagined happened. And it took away, like it took away fear's grip. Um, So I wasn't fearful because I was no longer in control. And I think that you know, like mm. control and fear have a pretty synonymous, mm-hmm. synonymous, synonymous relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was so out of control that I wasn't fearful. I just wanted to be gone, really. Okay, so you were. So when did you go see? How long after you, uh, your father passed, did you finally go see a therapist or a doctor? Um, I saw a therapist about. Four months after my dad passed away, maybe five months, um, but it was just talk therapy. And I still see that therapist to this day. I see her every week. Um, and I really, she had b- kind of bounced the idea around of me going to a psychiatrist and, you know, maybe getting medicine. Um, but, you know, it's such a fine line between grief and depression. And it's what is, when does it actually become a problem? Um, so it wasn't until Benny passed and I had that, the loss of hopelessness and I, the loss of any sort of joy in my life and not actually being able to find any joy. Um, I actually couldn't feel it that she, my therapist explained to me kind of chemically what happens, you know, like there's obviously the grief, um, that is very emotional but your mental health has so much tied in with actual physical manifestations and like there's so it's so tied to like somatic responses in your body and so you can't I wanted to separate emotions from any sort of like clinical diagnosis because I have health issues and you know if you were to be able to take a biopsy of my intestines you'd be able to understand like yes I have Crohn's disease and that's something that's like clinically Mm -hmm. and like very like you know it's it's that's science and so Mm -hmm. it was very hard for me to understand that my emotions that you can't take a biopsy of you know they're 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 what I don't know we they're not something that are it's not tangible can actually affect the chemical structure of your brain and it can actually change the chemical structure and the chemical responses in your brain and so once my therapist kind of explained that and more or less allowed me to give myself permission to engage the idea of medicine um, because again I felt like 
going on medicine would ha- would signify failure. That was kind of how I viewed it. And I really drug my feet for a long time mm-hmm. because I wanted to be the person that could get through this with faith and with good attitude and good habits. And I didn't want to have to resort to medicine. And I... Do you um, feel like some of that came from the negative stigma around mental health? Yeah, I think that... Um, I ha- I definitely had a, med- a a negative stigma. You know, I felt like for me, medicine equaled weakness, and it was you weren't disciplined enough to make the changes in yourself. And you know, be- obviously, before I actually understood what medicine is for, um, again, kind of going back to my childhood. You know, my relationship, like my dad was, like. Walt Disney, the happiest, like most joyful, most optimistic person on the planet and never suffered any mental health and obviously would never judge anyone who did, but I kind of, that was my threshold. And so anyone that wasn't that was like just, they were doing something wrong. You know, it was, was, they, they were doing something, not something was happening to them. It was a lack of discipline or a lack of um, finding that happiness and and so I drug my feet so much mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and then once that moment hit the moment was the moment I w- walked out onto my deck and I couldn't feel the sun I couldn't feel any joy I couldn't feel something that felt good and my therapist explained that you know that that chemical interaction in my brain that those like wires were crossed and you know, I had the, the, you know, when something happens, it signals the response of the serotonin and mm-hmm. the happy. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't happening. That connection was broken. Mm-hmm. And I needed medicine to get back there. Of course, medicine is not going to fix mm-hmm. everything. But it, it just kind of set up, it brought me down a ladder that I could grab onto Mm -hmm. and um so right after I lost Benny and I had the dark 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 days um that's when I decided to go on medicine and I got put I went to a psychiatrist um and he diagnosed me with a severe case of depression and he put me on Effexor um and it was actually, I got very fortunate into a, a really good psychiatrist. So it was the first antidepressant that mm-hmm. I went on and it worked right away. Yeah. I was going to say, how quickly did it kick in for you? It was within the week. It was almost like, I mean, he, my psychiatrist, I still see him obviously to manage the medicine. Um, he even said like it was so abnormal. It was almost like I, my mind was so desperate for help. Um, that it just grabbed on to that ladder. Um, and it, it was, you know, you have to kind of ramp up a little bit. Um, so I, f- I felt maybe like 75% um, wow. better wow. within a week. Wow. And then it was really, really miraculous. And then all of a sudden it was like, holy cow, like I tried for so long not to do that like why was I suffering (laughs) like Mm -hmm. you know there's a there's a time for 
for that help. Like if there's time, mm-hmm. if there's any time, it's after you lose yeah. your dad, best friend, dog, all in one, you know, and I, I wouldn't allow myself that grace. Do you feel like the, um, those like dark days though, do you, do you, do you feel like you can look back and see a blessing in that in any way? In like, has that led you to any, I mean, for, for me, it, when I was in it, I really feel like it led me to a certain level of compassion for other people, especially people suffering from mental health. Where yeah. you're like, wow, holy shit, I know what this feels like. Yeah. I mean, definitely. Like, I mean, your your sense of empathy that you have for people suffering. Um, of course. You, like, I, I, that's a huge, huge positive. I mean, I, I definitely believe that out of any dark time like light can come Mm -hmm. um you just have to allow it and so yeah there's a lot of you know positive of coming going through that like I feel like I know I I felt what it was like to want like want death over life and kind of coming out of that realizing how much of life is a blessing and those feelings of, of of being able to feel how how great life is and those relationships are I think that that's something that like to this day I, I mean I don't I don't take it like for granted mm-hmm. I feel like my relationships are so much deeper um, you know sure there's some relationships that fell away because there's no time for superficiality in my life anymore everything is you know go to dinner with me and we're gonna talk about real stuff like we're we're gonna sit we're gonna talk about meanings of life and what are what what why we're here and what happens after and every single well everyone i've interviewed thus far has the exact same response it's like you go through something that just completely changes your life and you're like I don't have time for bullshit anymore yeah and that's such a gift I mean there's so many people that go through all this soul searching and go through these like camps and all this type of stuff to try to get that clarity Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden you're given this clarity that's just like what's the real meaning of life what's the real importance of life like what should you focus on and what's just meaningless and what's not serving you and what you know all of the things that are just, that just mean nothing and you don't you like all of a sudden you're only focusing on the things that are real true things that are like that are real you know um so yeah that's a huge blessing yeah okay here's a question um so how long have you been on your medication for since oh a little over a year and do you think that it's will you eventually will you try to wean yourself off of it i'm not going to wean myself off um but i will try to wean off yeah um with guidance with with my psychiatrist yeah, yeah i which is very important i want to <laughs> i didn't I, do that yeah not really. um i just you know i i i'm like a really healthy person and I tried not to take medicine, um, but I, I just like the idea of not having chemicals in my body. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm honestly terrified to wean off. Um, so I think I'm going much slower yeah. than you, the doctor said that I even could. You know, like he last 
or in February, he was like, okay, he wanted to wean me off. And I was like, wait, wait, wait. You know, it'll be the two-year anniversary of my dad. It'll be my birthday. And it's this and that. Like, I'm not ready. And so, like, I'm kind of holding on to it. But I would like to wean off eventually. Yeah. I mean, it's such a slow process that I feel like it's so, it'll be, it's easy for you to, like, gauge. Yeah. Where you're at. Right. I did not do it slowly. <laughs> that was a mistake. So aside from medication, what other types of healing did you seek? I um, still see my therapist every week. I think that it's such an important step in my process to have someone that is solely on my team and is there to try to get me through this. It's so nice to be able to have someone to, to talk about you know the crazy fears that you have um and Mm -hmm. it not be my boyfriend who Mm -hmm. i had to lean on for so long um because of course that relationship is still still coming back from that trauma you know we it strengthened our relationship but it changes a relationship to become very caretaker and that's a hard thing to you know even like we've been dating for 10 years so we're already like our lives are so intertwined and then you add that on top and it's like how do you get the romance back so you know it's nice to have someone to talk to um but the biggest thing is just a very structured self-care routine um understanding that it's not a luxury to have mental health days to be able to be in tune with your body and and focus on your mental health that that is a necessity none nothing else matters you know in my profession if my mind isn't there so every day at noon and my staff knows this I close the door in my office and I meditate for 30 minutes and it's it's scheduled in like I have conference calls scheduled in it's on my calendar and shut the door it's like do not disturb and it's like at first kind of self felt a little self-indulgent you know but it's so important for my life to be able to have a sense of calm and kind of rewire my brain because remember like I had this diagnosed PTSD where like your brain kind of gets scrambled. There are these synapses that are formed out of the stress that changes the way that you think, that changes the way that you react to situations. Um, and it's fearful, you know, it's, it's, it's scary, mm-hmm. I should say. Um, and so meditating actually has the ability to kind of rewire your brain to react to things calmer to not react to things in such a stressful way um but I'm so big on mental health days and listening to my body if I am burnt out I go on a hike and or go to the beach or go home at 2 p.m and take a nap Mm -hmm. um you know you have to be so in tuned Mm -hmm. to that because your mental health is so connected to your body. You know, when you are sad, you cry. There's a physical manifestation of that sad. 
when you're anxious, you hold your breath. And like, there's so many things that the emotional and the physical responses are so tied. So it's so important to be cognizant of the physical senses, making sure that you're eating properly, sleeping, Mm -hmm. sleeping regularly. Um, Same time every night, I'm so structured with my sleeping schedule. Um, Breathing deep breaths, being conscious of, you know, that diaphragmic breathing, just making sure that you can calm yourself down um and exercise i mean those things they're not they're no longer options in my mm-hmm. life they are they that so it's mandatory yeah yeah so you are a manager in your workplace you are the boss i am the boss <laughs> <laughs> but i know that a lot of people struggle with how to go about taking a mental health day in business and how to kind of talk about that with colleagues do you feel like you have any advice yeah I mean I feel so fortunate that I am the boss and get to set that pace here and I think you know I'm always on my staff to make sure that they're taking care of themselves and and being and going home when they need to go home but I don't think anyone really understands why you know they understand that they can't get burnt out and I don't want them to get burnt out but you know until you go through grief no one else really understands what it means to take a mental health day and or go not Mm -hmm. grief specifically but if you go through um you know a a mental trauma Mm -hmm. so I think you can't expect that people are going to understand why it's important or why or how you need it I think that until people really until they're in it, until they struggle with a mental health disorder, whatever you want to call it, of their own, they won't necessarily understand the importance of that or what it means. So I think that's okay. Um, you can't expect them to understand. People might think that you're being self-indulgent or people might think that, like, they, they might not understand. They might think that it's, it's silly to take a mental health day. But I think that the best way... It's just to explain, this is what I need. This isn't a luxury in my life. This is something that I have to, I have to do in order to like, be productive, be myself. This is as important as a sick day. You know, you, it is. You're, you, you, like, we, we have to accept that your mental health and your physical health there's they're they're as equal import they're as equal of, of importance mm-hmm. and so you know I think that everything is it's specific to each manager um, because the manager might not understand and might say like you can't have that and that in my opinion would be ludicrous and like you know discriminatory so if you want to say that you're you know, not feeling well, that you, you need to go home because you're not well. That's not a lie. (laughs) You're not well, you Mm -hmm. need to go home. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think that the most important thing that you can do is just to be clear, be definite. Mm -hmm. Um, don't feel bad about it. Don't say, I am sorry. I need this. I, you know, is that okay? No, 
you say like I need a mental health day mm -hmm. I'm going home I will be back tomorrow and I will be better you know like that you just have mm -hmm. to be definite and clear about what mm -hmm. you need mm-hmm we kind of started to talk a little bit I'm really curious because it was so important for me your relationship uh, how your how spirituality in your relationship with God grew or what happened there because you talked about how you were very angry for a while so right. how did that switch over for you um so I feel like my spiritual life definitely be became very it was it was so much stronger it is so much stronger it was very much strengthened um you know my view of god is very in line with a father and i never necessarily had to be that in touch with that before because i had a very present and very real father and so i didn't need to kind of rely on god in that way um and then when my physical tangible father was no longer tangible um i kind of had to learn to rely on god in a very different way and it was a learning process and i felt so connected and i realized that my dad was really like a physical manifestation like his love that he had for me was just this manifestation of god's love for me so i feel like that really helped so much mm -hmm. and it still helps so much um and then of course i was angry like i said i got a very angry very disconnected and that 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 propelled and then once i realized i kind of got the help from the medicine got kind of saw the results of my physical like self-care routine um, and was able to like actually like benefit from that help. I kind of was able to again open up my heart to a spiritual sense and feel that again. Um, and I feel like my connection with God is really kind of what got me through this and what is getting me through this. And it's so much, it's such a big part of my life because I feel that my dad is is with God and mm -hmm. is like, you know, there's a sense of st still being loved and that love is so clear and it's, it's, I never quite understood how like a spiritual love can be because I'm such a physical person and I felt so tangibly connected to my dad but then once my dad was gone and the love didn't go away I still love him I still feel his love it's like how does that happen how how can you still feel someone so presently in your life and you can still feel their love for you it's something that's it is like it's so spiritual because there's only there's no other way to understand it um except that you know, there are these bigger forces. There's this bigger love out there that we can't even understand here. And like, I felt it firsthand because I still feel my dad's love. I still love him. Like there's, 
that never changed. It's just the actual person that was here making the jokes and like kind of like filling that need for me, you know, like that he, that's no longer here, but the love is still there. And so how do you, how do you identify that when there's no longer a person there that is propelling that? And so that very much to me is like, it's very spiritual. And so it's, it really helped to feel grounded to a spiritual connection because then I'm accepting love a lot more. I'm able to identify that I didn't make this up. Like, I'm not making this up. Like, I feel this because, like, it's real. Um, you know, there's a real spiritual force in this life. I feel it so strongly. And, like, that that really connected and deepened my relationship with, with God and with really, like, everything here. Mm-hmm. And how do you practice that connection? Like, what, what do you do? Do you pray? you go to church? I pray. Um, we do... We, we do go to church. Um, I, a lot of prayer, like kind of like meditating on um, certain like feelings of, you know, kind of allowing myself to feel that love and kind of being still in that. Um, a lot of prayer, um, you know, like reading the Bible, listening to podcasts, um, really just talking to God. You know, so mm-hmm. it is really just mm-hmm. prayer. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like I don't pray in probably a, a traditional way. Um, you know, I, I talk to God and ask him to hand the phone over to my dad. And then I talk to my dad. And, you know, like me talking to my dad is kind of like me talking to God. Because, like, it's very... That love is God's love shining through through my dad and like I feel like God knows that you know like he knows that like he gave me my dad for a reason and so if I'm going to talk to him like that is like you know it's it's Mm -hmm. talking to this like huge power that Mm -hmm. is like binding all of us and your father was very religious yeah he definitely not again not your typical like religious man because uh you know, the, the word religious has a very, like, mm-hmm. it, it's hard for me to identify with mm-hmm. um, because we're pretty, like, just just really connected with God, I would say, is, like, the way spiritual. to say it. Yeah, really spiritual, but, you know, under the, like, the kind of the, like, benchmark of, like, the Christianity faith of just mm-hmm. what, like, you know, the core tenets of Christianity, but manifested in, like, a very spiritual, connected relationship real relationship with mm-hmm. god did you ever have the fear that talking about the person who died was burdening people about that that your father dying was burdening people yeah i um yeah there's there's no way to not feel like you're burdening people and that's all you want to talk about you know it's it's so all consuming for you you have no other way to try to like understand life after the especially in those couple months after you've lost someone that's all you want to talk about and of course you feel like you're burning people I mean and you you're a downer you know you're you're like all you're talking about is this thing but I mean unfortunately I'm I'm so blessed with such wonderful friends and family that like they wanted to just be there for me however and I think that's probably true for a lot of people um I wouldn't say that you're burdening them you know they want to hear 
what you're thinking, mm-hmm. um, how you're feeling, and that's how you're feeling. But of course, you feel like you're burdening people. Mm-hmm. There's, it's impossible to not feel like that. Mm-hmm. Someone asked how to help a friend or a loved one um, after they have experienced loss or are going through a depression. How do you feel that people, your friends and family, can help you? I think. You? I think it's just important to not have any expectations and not you you cannot expect anything from these people you can't there there's no one way to do this and like I touched on before it's so cyclical it's not a straight line so if it is two years after they lost someone you can't expect them to be at a place that you think is appropriate because it, that doesn't exist. They're, they're, it's, it's so different for each person. So you have to really let go of expectations and just be very thoughtful in how and, and kind and allow them to re- remind them to be kind to themselves. Um, listen. Um, I think one of the kindest things to do is to you know you want to be intuitive enough to kind of know where their headspace is at but my friends luckily all had a pretty deep connection with my dad and so it helped me so much for them to tell me stories of just like funny little moments that like might not have registered for me but something that impacted them you know you want to feel like that person is still still impacting life and is still here in you know a a strange way Mm -hmm. um so you know it's hard because it's not even me if I had a good friend that is going through the same thing their experience is going to be so different than my experience was so it's not like I now know exactly how to help them because they're going through something completely different but I think Mm -hmm. that I have this empathy of just like whatever you're going through it's okay and it's expected and I'm here and I love you and I will never leave you you can never burden me you can Mm -hmm. never upset me just that type of understanding to be there for someone and also like the thoughtful things I have a friend who days that there's no way like I, I I would never remember for someone you know like my dad's birthday like how many friends know your parents birthday and I don't know if this friend knew when my dad's birthday was but she found out and she has sent me flowers or sent me champagne the little thing that you know little note that says like you better believe that Pat would be like you know drunk on the champagne right now just a funny little thing and like send me those things it's so thoughtful and it means so much um, so that's a really simple, like kind thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but you just main thing you can't expect them. You can't if you call them, you can't expect them to call you back. Mm-hmm. You can't expect them to text you back. Yeah. You can't yeah. expect them to show up. Yeah. You can't expect like. Right. You I was gonna to say. Be, I think a lot of people feel like they need to do more than than you know, especially in those instances where it's like you send the text, like I'm thinking of you or I'm sending you love or whatever that is. Like, how is that received? You know. Yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, I didn't read the text messages and all the things that I got until a year after my dad had passed. And it was kind that people, I was such in a fog and such in a haze that like I didn't necessarily register who was reaching out and who wasn't. 
And it was really helpful a year later, but I couldn't actually read them for like a year. Like that's how long it took me to respond to those people. And that was my journey. And like, you know, like you just have to let it be. And if you're going to send champagne to someone, you can't expect that they're going to say, Hey, thank you. You know, Mm. like it really is a true testament of how to be completely selfless. Mm. And you just have to learn to really be selfless for that person. Yeah. Do you think that, depression relapse is something that you can prepare yourselves for like uh, that we can prepare ourselves for um you mentioned that you have a fear of going off your medication is that because you're fearful of that all that all you're fearful of that wave to come crashing back over you yeah Yeah. i mean i'm i'm very fearful of that wave because that was the worst hardest darkest scariest time of my whole life and so of course i never want that to happen again but I don't think that it could happen again in that way because I have evolved so much and have learned so much about myself that if I did, if I do go off this medicine, I kind of expect that I will have some sort of depressive episode, but I don't think that it would sink me into such a dark hole because I've learned to have so much grace with myself Mm -hmm. and I've learned to understand that that's okay and so you you don't have an expectation and so you kind of more or less roll with it and you do all the very practical things that you can do and the self-care things that you can do and get yourself out of it but I think that you probably will have a depressive episode because I'm not fooling myself to think that like I've dealt with all the loss that I ever will in my life I'm sure Mm -hmm. you know like I think that you're kind of guaranteed to suffer in life I think that you know, you kind of have to expect that life is going to be hard. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, I'm sure I will have another one. And I, But I just don't, I really don't think it's possible for me to sink back into that yeah. after everything I've learned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm going to go into kind of these final questions. Um, were there any, do you have any suggestions? I asked for three suggestions, books, TV shows, podcasts, whatever. Was there anything you felt like... And it doesn't have to be three. If there was like one book that you read that was like gripping or just like so that you felt just un- you understood or it just touched you in a way or. Yeah, I feel like um, because the tenets of Christianity are so ingrained and was such a big part of my grief process that um, I dove in pretty deep to theology, mainly because I wanted to know you know, okay, so like, sure, heaven as like a fluffy idea is great but then when you actually have invested interest there like my dad's in heaven what is that what does that look like what is what does that mean like save a physical body like you know like Mm -hmm. all of these things Mm -hmm. i needed to know Mm -hmm. um so i read a lot of theology books about that um the best thing that really kind of helped me was c.s lewis mere christianity um which c.s lewis is the author of the lion the witch and the wardrobe Mm -hmm. and and he's an incredible thinker, um, really practical. And more or less, that book is about kind of why are we here? What what is this life about? And like, what like what's our purpose? Because um, that was a big question. Like, what what is the point of all this? Like, the, what what are we doing? This so... I'd like to know what your take is on that. Like, what you've learned too. Yeah, I think that. Um, and so that, just to close that up, that was a really, really moving and inspiring book for me to kind of answer some of those questions. And 
Um, obviously, I agree with a lot of the faith theology in there, but even if you don't, like, I think that it's an important book to read just about um, understanding your role and and how um, how important your daily routine like how how important your I don't know how to say this um more or less just that life isn't an accident and that you you have the power and you have the responsibility to make your life worthwhile in your daily actions and your how the person and the choices that you choose is creating who you are and the legacy that you're leading and like that's all such a big part of like why you're here and i personally believe that that has continuity into the the next the next thing you know if you want to call it the next life or whatever you want to call it like i believe that the lessons and the choices and all of these hard things that we're going through and like this is just a stepping stone and there will be continuity and there will be a reason for all of it and there already i can see in my tiny little like you know surface understanding of this life i can already see a lot of reasons that we've kind of discussed like about having empathy and like real the like focusing on the real and not the superficial and all of these immediate benefits Mm -hmm. but I believe that there will be these benefits that I don't even understand that like kind of my soul is learning and that my soul will benefit from and I think that gives me a lot of hope and that gives me a lot of kind of um purpose to actually make these changes because it's not like all right then it's going to be done and then all of it it was worth nothing like it's it there's a purpose for it there's a reason that i'm learning these things there's a reason i'm becoming the person that i'm becoming mm-hmm. um you know and the, like i don't necessarily know the f- why yet but i know that there will be a why one day mm-hmm. um and so that really helps me in like this journey to to learn those lessons to do the work to like become the person that I want to become because like there will be like that there will be a bigger reward for for me learning all of those things Mm -hmm. do you believe in multiple lives I don't necessarily no I guess the answer would be no in multiple lives um but in the sense of your like soul evolving and learning and like reaching its highest yeah i I very much believe in that um um is there something that you wish you knew when you were in like the deep darkness that could have helped you that you could, so I guess that can kind of tie into like, what advice, is there any advice you could give to someone who's going through something similar to what you've been through? And is there something that you wish you had known or you think that someone could, a piece of advice that someone could have given you to make it any easier? 
Um, I think that at the very beginning of the process, after I lost my dad, I feel like it would have been helpful if people didn't say it's going to get better. Mm. That was a really, you know, it's kind of, it, and I'm not saying that it doesn't get better. You know, better, better is a hard thing to say that it's going to get, it's going to get different. Mm. (laughs) And so I think that I, when I kept hearing it's going to get better, it's going to get better. It, it didn't allow me to, it, it, it kind of hindered me from like feeling things and from like doing the, like going through this in a really productive way because it didn't get better for me. It got worse. And that's what caused so much of the darkness because I didn't accept that my life was now forever going to be full of grief. Like that was part of my journey. Like I'm never going to like get out of it. I'm never going to like get cured. Like that's, that's a part of who I am now. And so I just really wish that people didn't say that because Mm -hmm. it, it doesn't like it's, you know, you're not going to get healed from this. And so I think that I wish that someone would have told me like, you're going to, you're on a journey for the rest of your life. This is never going to be something that you're going to be over. This is never going to be something you're going to get through. This is something that you're going to deal with forever. And you have to figure out how to deal with that constructively mm-hmm. and how to deal with that as positively and, 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 you know, find the goodness in it. Um, and as far as things that could have helped me when I was in the deep, the deep, 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 I mean, I just wish that I went on medicine sooner, to be honest. I wish that, um, I would have known that it was okay, that it didn't make me weak, that, you know, my employees wouldn't think differently of me. My dad wouldn't think differently of me, that I wasn't failing. It would have helped so much to not try to try to like struggle through that. Mm-hmm. Um, it would have been so, would have like really been so much more productive than what it was that I did. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I wish that someone would have just said, you have to go on medicine. There's not really another option. Mm-hmm. Um, and what, has been your greatest lesson through this experience? Hmm. <laughs> it's a loaded question. Yeah. I think, so much. Um, I think kind of the greatest lesson is that, th- no, I have this note on my wall um, that Kelly was reading earlier, and it's a email from my dad that he wrote me he was just a like a big emotional sap ball and so would just send me these emails that were like subject line was life and then he would just send me his like thoughts on life and so I printed one out um and put it on my wall later and I when I got that this email and I'll read it but when I got the email I didn't I thought it was sweet I thought it was a good a nice gesture but didn't necessarily understand it and didn't under necessarily like realize the significance of it until what I've gone through. And so um, he says, sweetest, cutest, that's what he called me. Take it from me, 
Never wish any part of your life away. Savor every moment because when you look back on it, you will remember something good about it even when it seems stressful now. Live each day to the fullest. Thank God for the gift of life and the blessings he gives you daily and look forward to adventures and challenges that tomorrow will bring. And I think, you know, the the lesson that savoring every single moment, because even when it seems stressful, there's something beautiful about it. I think that's just the biggest lesson that you can learn because there really is something so positive about every, even the darkness. Um, There's nothing in life that you can't make beautiful. There's no darkness that that you can't turn into light or let the light shine through. Um, And so that, that definitely, you know, is such a special gift that my dad gave me that obviously he sent that to me before he passed away, but it's something that I didn't necessarily even understand until after he was gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have his, his last text to me ever. Um, we were talking about production issues that I was having with one of my manufacturers, and it says, stay happy and hopeful. And that was what Ke- Kev put that on this necklace for me. And it's just such a good reminder just to stay hopeful and like find happy. And even when you can't, you don't think that there's anything there. There's something happy about everything in life. And so that's my my lesson from my daddy. Is there anything else you want to add? My biggest thing that I could just tell people that are going through this is your road's going to look incredibly different than anyone else. And there's there is no... There, there's no recipe for this and you have to give yourself so much grace you have to give yourself a lot of space in it and if you need to take time and like find that quiet and if you need to leave work and you need to go home and take a nap or take a bath or whatever it may be like you need to do that that's okay like you have to give yourself grace you can't expect you can't expect anything from yourself. You have to allow yourself to feel these things because there, you you have to dive in to come out the other side. And in something like grief, the other side is not, you know, what it looked like before you lost that thing. The other side looks different, but you still have to dive in. You still have to go through it. And the only way that anyone can get through something like this is to just to find that calm and find like some sort of peace and be able to give themselves space to heal because it takes so long. I've lost, I my dad's been gone for two and a half years now, and it's I mean even there's still things that come up. Like I feel like you know my mind is kind of like bubbling little things up as I'm allowed, like as it feels I'm I can handle it. And there's still things that come up that are just like, it just feels unimaginable. It's just like the loss is unimaginable. It's so much bigger than losing someone you love is, is like so much bigger than anything in life. It's just like, it's, it's a huge, it's a huge, huge thing. And you have to give it that respect and you have to understand what it is. And you can't expect it to go away. It's not going to go away. It's never going to go away. Mm-hmm. So give yourself that grace and like your, the space that you need to heal. Mm-hmm. That was amazing. Thanks. Yeah.
thank you so much for listening to this episode of Joan. I've put all information from this episode in the show notes. So if you forgot to write down the name of a book or a doctor, you can find it there. I want to thank my editor, Clay Carnell, who has been so patient with me. I want to thank Mike Lachome for providing the theme music that he so beautifully and thoughtfully created. I want to thank Jen Perron for creating our amazing logo. And I want to thank all of you for listening. Thank you so much, truly from the bottom of my heart. 